Jesus, this morning we just want nothing else but you. We ask that you would speak to us through your word this morning. Allow us to understand more of who you are. Draw our spirit close to your spirit. Fill us with your spirit. Enable us to, to not only do things, but to understand things that we wouldn't normally understand if we weren't on this side of the gate headed for heaven. We ask God that you would open your word to us, reveal yourself. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. About 150 years ago, uh, there was a man living in northeastern India who was from the Garo tribe in the province of Assam, and he came to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, he and his family were the only converts to Christianity through the efforts of a specific American Baptist missionary. The man who was saved was named Noxeng. And Noxeng had such a vibrant faith that people in his village all around him began to also express faith in Jesus. Well, this made the village chief furious. And he summoned all the villagers together. And he called Noxeng and his wife and his two children to come forward. And when they came forward, he demanded that they renounce their faith or face public execution. They were unmoved. Noxeng said to the chief, I have decided to follow Jesus. Well, enraged at Noxeng's refusal, the chief ordered his archers to shoot down the two children with arrows. And as both boys lay there on the ground in front of them, the chief said, Will you now deny your faith? You've lost both your children, and you will lose your wife. But the man replied, Though no one joins me, I will still follow. The chief was beside himself with fury, and he ordered that wife to be killed. And in a moment, she was dead alongside her two sons. And now he asked for the last time, I will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live. And in the face of death, the man said, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. And in a moment, he was dead like the rest of his family. But in the moments that followed, a kind of miracle took place. The chief who had ordered the killings was so deeply moved by the faith of Noxang and his family that he wondered, why should this man and his wife and his two boys die for a man who lived so far away in a land that they didn't even know and almost 2,000 years ago? And then he thought to himself, there must be something here. There must be some remarkable power behind this family's faith. And I, too, want to taste that faith. And he shocked the people who were gathered a moment later when he shouted out, I too belong to Jesus Christ. And it started snowball rolling and virtually all the people in that village were saved. 
Now, we know the song that is based on the last words of Noxeng. The American version is called, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And you probably know the words off by heart, but the stanzas, there they are up there. We know the first verse, I have decided to follow Jesus. I haven't got the repetitive part in here, but it goes, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. No turning back. Second verse starts, though none go with me, I will still follow. No turning back. No turning back. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The world behind me. The cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. We've been in a series on core values, and core values are those things that, that the values that you hold dearest in your heart, in the deepest part of your heart, every decision you make, uh, every relationship that you start, every behavior that you demonstrate, and every path that you choose comes from the core values that you hold. Now, we've talked about experiencing God's love and grace through a personal relationship with Jesus. Core value number two was about believing the Bible. Last week, we, in core value number three, talked about worshiping God. Well, today, we are looking at core value number four, and that's following Jesus. And here's how we stated in our statement about that. We value wholehearted obedience to Christ Jesus through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Following Jesus, like coming to faith and learning and living God's word and worshiping God, following Jesus involves our whole heart. Not a half-hearted attempt, but giving God all we've got. Some of you uh, who are Roxbury Camp people might remember that back in 2019 at Roxbury, we had the theme, All In. It's now a very, very popular year. And, and people were deeply moved by it. All in, meaning fully commitment, fully committed, nothing held back. Well, that's a great theme. And it's the way it ought to be. But you know, it's really easy to be all in when there's nothing at stake. But what about when your faith costs you? And what about when your family is threatened? And what about when your life is at stake? And what about when things get difficult in your life? Are you still all in? Today I want to look at three things uh, about following Jesus. First, I want to look at choosing your path. And second today, taking up your cross. And third, considering your soul. Choosing your path, taking up your cross, and considering your soul. In Matthew, in chapter 7, in verses 13 and 14, right after Jesus gives his disciples the golden rule, you know the golden rule, do unto others before they do it to you. That's not it, is it? Didn't quite get that right. Do unto others what you wish them to do to you. And, and right after that, Jesus says to his disciples, enter through the narrow gate. 
For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Have you ever taken a wrong turn? Are you willing to admit you've taken a wrong turn? <laughs> I remember coming back from Canada one time, and this is in the days before we had GPS or, or cell phones, and you know, back when we rode our dinosaurs and all of that. And, and I remember coming back from Canada, we were kind of coming down through New York, and I got around Painted Post, and uh, somehow I zigged where I should have zagged, and I ended up in Corning, New York, which is way over to the east. And when I realized where I was and realized where I was supposed to be, and then I backtracked all the way, so because there's only one way to come west to get back south again, and by the time I had done all that, I had added about an hour, hour and a quarter onto an already seven-hour trip. So I was tired. But I did eventually get where I needed to be. Well, what if I had chosen that wrong turn on purpose? I mean, what if I knew the right way was south and which way I should go, but I deliberately chose to go east, to go the wrong way? You know, maybe because I think I know better, or maybe I know better than the maps are. The maps are just not good, or the signs are not really good. Or maybe I was choosing to be a rebel. So I didn't end up in the place where I wanted to be in the end. What if I'd chosen that on purpose? Jesus says that, that in life, especially as Christians, we have two choices. We have two choices that we have to make if we're going to, that we can make, one or the other. If we're going to follow him, we have to make a choice. And we can either choose the narrow gate or the wide gate. And he tells us specifically, he says, enter by the narrow gate. So what does he mean by that? And what, what about all these gates? What's that all about? Well, you know, life is full of decisions, isn't it? And, and none of the decisions we make is going to be more important than deciding how you're going to follow Jesus. Deciding which gate you're going to choose. One of the deeper people for processing discipleship that I know is Dallas Willard, and if you've read his books, you know they're a real hack to get through, but that you come out the other side doubly blessed, even triply blessed, because you'll learn so much along the way. Dallas Willard says the narrow gate is obedience. The broad gate is simply doing whatever I want to do. I, I think that's a great way to define what we're talking about here. Um, Remember our value statement. We value wholehearted obedience to Christ Jesus through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. We value that. And frankly, so does God. God cares about what you choose. That's why he tells you which gate you should choose in the first place, right? Jesus said, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. It's very easy to choose the world's way. It's very easy to grab the low-hanging fruit, to go for the instant gratification in the here and now rather than wait for God to produce in us spiritual fruit. 
sometimes what seems so appealing leads to total ruin. A lot of people choose that path. It's a very popular path, but it's the wrong choice. No, we are what they call free moral agents. What that means is that you get to choose. You get to choose. Nobody is going to force you to choose. Satan may try to tempt you to choose wrongly, but he has no power to make you do anything. And in the same way, God doesn't force you to do the things that he wants you to do, the things that he knows are good for you, the things that he knows you should choose, but he's not going to force you to do that. But he does point out which road is the right one, and he offers you a better way through Jesus. But in the end, it's your choice. I always remember you know, Paul's words to the Corinthians where he says, you know, I have the right, he, he's talking about them, he says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Not all our choices are good choices. Jesus offers you the better choice. The only problem is that that way, the narrow way, through the narrow gate, is more difficult. It's the less populated way. Fewer people take that path. The path following Jesus requires that we actually narrow the number of choices that we make in life, that we leave some things behind. It requires some self-denial. It requires some commitment and a daily sacrifice. But it is the path of righteousness. And it's the path of holiness. And it's the path of eternal communion with our Lord. It's the path to eternal life. As followers of Jesus, we have to make the conscious choice to go through that narrow gate. Not just once we go through that, we always choose the narrow gate. Might not be the popular choice, might not be the easy choice, but it is the right path that leads to true life in Christ. You know, when you come to faith in Christ, you're really choosing to change your path, aren't you? You're choosing to change your path from your way to Jesus' way. I always like how uh, uh, so the Navajo express the faith in Christ. They, they say, well, he's on the Jesus' way. He follows the Jesus way. I think that's a beautiful way of expressing it. You know, because way means path or roadway, right? He's on that journey. He's on the Jesus way. Second point this morning has to do with taking up the cross. And, and Jesus says in Matthew 16, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There's that narrow way again. The self-denial part. The narrowing of our choices part. Now, it always puzzles me. You read this and you, you see Jesus saying, take up your cross and follow me. And I'm thinking, you know, these guys don't know anything about the cross yet. Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet. He hasn't gone through this agony yet. This hasn't occurred yet. And he probably hasn't fully explained all of that yet. But, 
And the cross, it hadn't become a symbol of freedom yet. It wasn't a symbol for freedom from sin. It wasn't an expression of salvation yet. And yet Jesus is saying, take it up. But here's where I think he was going with that. You know, it, it was the Romans' time of crucifixion. Uh, the Romans, this was their most brutal and shaming form of execution for 500 years. One historian I read said, and they got better and better at it as they went. They, they honed their skills. And that was until Constantine came along and, and outlawed it. You know, in the year 4 BC, there were 2,000 Jews crucified in the Galilean region. 2,000. This is very recent history for the disciples. Uh, in fact, there are some historians who say that there were so much crucifixion was going on that there was hardly a tree to be had in Galilee, in Judea, all Palestine. We think of Jesus carrying his cross on the way to be crucified at Calvary, but this must have been such a common practice for Jesus to mention it. The cross was already a symbol. It was a symbol of suffering and a symbol of oppression, the Roman oppression. And here Jesus is saying that taking up the cross is really willingly embracing the hardships that sometimes come with following Jesus. You know, several of these men that he's talking to, several of these disciples, these apostles, they lost their lives in service to Christ. You know, and we heard some pretty, as you read through and read the, the martyr stories, you read some pretty horrible descriptions of how these men died. And they maintained their faith as they did. Taking up our cross involves surrendering our own desires and submitting to God's will. It involves following Jesus as closely as we can. And we know that can be hard. Does it make our lives better? You bet it does. I wouldn't trade my life in Christ for life before for anything. It's so much better. But it's not easy. You know, we lie to people when we make it look easy. You know, when we say that, you know, if you just come to Jesus, everything will be all right. And that is a lie. Because if you just come to Jesus, things might get harder. <laughs> but they will be better. We need perseverance. We need faith. We need reliance on the Holy Spirit as our guide. And we need reliance on him to give us strength or we aren't going to get through it. It's not something we could do alone. The way of the cross involves renouncing the sinful patterns of the world and embracing the values of the kingdom. It's prioritizing God's will above our will, even when it's hard, maybe even especially when it's hard. Self-denial requires us to do things that we don't like to do, like love our neighbors, forgive our enemies, show compassion for the needy. And, you know, and I hope you hear this, because I, I think this is kind of key. It's in sacrifice 
that we become true disciples of Jesus. Do you hear that? It's in sacrifice that we become true disciples of Jesus. That doesn't mean we don't glory in his resurrection. We certainly do. But we know what Paul meant when he talks about sharing in the sufferings of Christ and what that means. Taking up our cross daily. Well, the third thing I want to point out here as we talk about following Jesus is considering your soul. Now, that may be a strange statement, but let me read this passage and, and you'll see what I'm saying. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for some of them to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You know we were created to live forever, right? That's how God intended us to live. God's plan for us included eternal life. Now, we can pursue the world's values and try to gather as many toys as possible before we die because we know that the person who dies with the most toys wins, right? Isn't that the rule? At least that's the license plate. We can focus on self-indulgence. We can focus on all kinds of things, but ultimately, without Christ, we end up in spiritual bankruptcy. You know, we, we cannot cling to the things of this world and expect to gain eternal life. Hold on loosely. Following Jesus means to prioritize our relationship with him above all else. It means putting our faith in the one who offers us everlasting life. We must be willing to lose our lives in the sense of surrendering them to God and trusting that when we do that, we gain something that's far, far greater than what we had. We gain eternal communion with our Lord. Following Jesus is not just weekend casual. Following Jesus is full-dress reality. It's not effortless, half-baked journey. It takes a deliberate choice to walk the narrow path, a choice to deny ourselves and take up our cross. In a very real way, we kind of have to lose ourselves in order to find ourselves. One who loves us unconditionally also died for our sins. And he was raised on the third day. And that person, Jesus, calls us to walk a path, not alone, but with him. As we give our whole heart to Jesus, we gain abundant life in Christ. As we seek his guidance and rely on his strength, we find comfort in the promise of eternal life that he holds out. You know, it's, I find it really interesting. I, I never really noticed this before, but, but the very first words that Jesus spoke to Peter in Mark 1:17 were, follow me. And the very last words that Jesus spoke to Peter at the end of the book of John were what? Follow me. He was having a dispute. He was upset. You know, 
John was getting a better treatment. This was happening, and he wasn't really doing what they were doing. And Jesus says, never mind him. You follow me. Follow me. We are called to follow. Following Jesus might be another definition for the word disciple. Follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Holy Spirit, convict us of our sin. Draw us to Jesus. Give us the strength to follow and stay on the path, even when it's hard. Lord, help us to make righteous choices that bring glory to you. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Enable me to do your will always. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.